Let's go. You're listening to KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Yay area on 90.1 and across the world at KZSU.org. Welcome to Brands, Beats, and Bites, hosted by Daryl D.C. Cobbin and Larry Taman. Brands, Beats, and Bites stands at the intersection of brand, tech, and culture. We bring you interesting people and insightful points of view on what's popping and not popping in marketing, tech, culture, and beyond. D.C. and Larry are fascinated with the stories and people behind some of the best marketing in the business. No matter how dope your product, if your marketing sucks, your company may suck too. They both serve as managing partners at marketing consultancy Brand Positioning Doctors, where they help companies large and small, tech and non-tech, build better marketers so they can build great brands. What's happening, brand nerds? Back at you again. Another podcast of Brand Beats and Bites. I got to say this, Larry. I, I can't believe people are still listening to us, but I'm glad y'all listened. Okay? I'm really, really glad y'all listened. Yeah, glad y'all listened uh, on a serious note, uh, as we have done now for a year, uh, shout out to um, uh, everyone dealing with COVID. Uh, uh, blessings to those uh, uh, that have lost loved ones and uh, rest in peace and power to those who have crossed over to the other side. And some optimism here with both the vaccine and pretty soon some, uh, some government assistance to many of us who need that, uh, that help. Well, LT, uh, there are a couple of things going on, brother. Yes, we are sir. in the midst of uh, International Women's Month, all right? Ladies in the house, look at much respect to them. And we happen to have a powerhouse woman in the virtual building today. Larry, as you so eloquently do, break it down for us, please. Love it, D. Love to do it. So, DC, we're thrilled to. Welcome, Katie Kern, to our virtual house today. Really get, great to have you with us, Katie. And now, uh, just want to say hello. Say hello to our brand nerds out there, Katie. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you, hopefully soon after this conversation. But hello, everyone, and um, thank you for having me. We're so thrilled to have you, Katie. So on the show, we like to give our 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 wonderful guests like yourself the proper intro. So mm-hmm. allow me to do so, right, D? Allow me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> I think it's Katie, okay? All right. That's right. We're not setting the bar high, high there with Jay-Z, right? Mm-hmm. So, so getting into Katie's uh, props here. So Katie graduated from Augusta University with a Bachelor of Arts. And soon after she went to work as a marketer, first at Reebok <clears throat> as a retail marketing coordinator, and you'll notice how she moves up the ladder. So then as a marketing specialist for casual male retail group, and then at the same position at Sprint PCS. So then Katie makes a really interesting move where she becomes the society editor at Charleston Magazine, which highlights a lot of different skill sets than being on the, on the marketing client side. And it really fundamentally helps anyone in that position understand how stories are developed and then fielded. So then Katie makes her next, her first move to the agency side, where she joins a full service marketing agency called Cognetics. Is that the way you pronounce it, Katie? Cognetics, you got it right. Great. Mm-hmm. And she works on accounts such as Comcast Business, DR Horton Builders, and Kiowa Island, um, based in South Carolina. 
Okay, so D, check it out. So now yeah. Katie makes the big entrepreneurial move and becomes founder and managing director of Circa PR, which, uh, which it was a stylish lifestyle PR firm specializing in developing publicity campaigns for fashion, retail, beauty, home decor, and art clients. So some, uh, some clients featured there were Saks Fifth Avenue, Trish McAvoy, and Charleston Fashion Week. So then Katie makes a move onto Media Frenzy Global. And that's an award-winning agency specializing in digital and traditional PR, social media, marketing communications, and analyst relations with offices in Atlanta and London, where she is now agency partner working on numerous clients, including Verizon, Comcast Business, and in Ingenico Global Payments. So we'd also like to point out that Katie, who's greatly curious, as a never-ending quest to improve, as a senior exec at Media Frenzy, went and got another undergrad degree in psychology at Georgia State, since she really felt getting underneath the way people think is basically the foundation to really being an effective marketer and public relations executive. So lastly, Katie is truly a DEI champion who lives it through everything she does, including as a leader with two really cool associations. One as a co-founder of A-Pledge, an alliance of Atlanta agency and corporate leaders working together to create a more equitable and diverse work workforce. As you all uh, listeners have heard this before, we, uh, when we had Jeff Hillemeyer on the podcast, DC and Jeff were also co-founders of A-Pledge. Mm. Okay, and second, as part of the commitment to eradicate racism and positively impact opportunities for black industry professionals, Media Frenzy Global and obviously marketing are challenging all agency leaders to join them and publicly voice their support by joining the Act in Solidarity Pledge. So with all that, welcome to Brands, Beats and Bites, Katie Kern. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'm glad to be here. That, 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 doesn't, doesn't Larry just do a masterful job of laying out the experience? He does. He does. It was, um, I mean, you made me look good, Larry. I mean, I'm, no. I'm impressed. Hey, look, <laughs> I always say I just voice what everybody, the wonderful accomplishments and the wonderful things people do. So it's all you, Katie. Yeah, you, you, you had the content. All we, all we did was edit. Okay, you, you, you got the content. All right, so a uh, couple things, uh, Katie. And, uh, and brand nerds, uh, you, you guys don't uh, know Katie, most of you don't, uh, but I'm gonna tell you uh, something that I've learned about Katie, a couple things. The first is that when we asked Katie uh, to be a guest on our podcast, she was like, me? You wanna talk to me? We're like, oh yeah, Katie, yeah. we wanna talk to you. So there's, a, there's some humility here that, that Katie, you have uh, even with all of your experience, which was genuine. And we appreciate that. The second is in working with Katie uh, on projects with the A-Pledge, what I, what I noticed quickly is Katie, you're the kind of person where when someone starts working with you, they understand they need to bring their A game. Mm. Like Katie Kern is not a B game kind of a person yeah. to be playing with. And, uh, and so I felt inspired to bring the best that I had to all of our engagements uh, around the A-Pledge. Another thing, uh, your career has many different angles to it. And I'm reminded of an analog about a rocket with some of the brand nerds uh, who are listening may recall. And that is when we look at a rocket from afar, 
it looks like it's traveling straight up. Actually, that's not what's happening. It's, it's moving back and forth in these small little, it almost feels like they're de minimis moves, but they're quite aggressive and it's making adjustments so that it continues to travel vertically. So it gets a little east, a little west, but ultimately reaching its destination. That's your career, Katie. You've had all of these different movements and from afar, it just looks like you're just going straight up. But in fact, you've kind of made these moves that take you up. And then finally, I'm gonna say this. We're all eventually, all of us ultimately are in the marketing and or communications and or advertising uh, business. But what we're really in the business of is psychology. Yes. And so you having that as a background, uh, going to school for that is just an added plus. So Katie, we're really honored to have you here with us today. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I'm honored to have been even asked to be a part of this. And um, I thank both you, DC and LT, for, for having me on here. So let's get into it. All right. Let's do All right. It. So here we go. Speaking of that, uh, the, uh, we do something called Get Comfy, where we kick things off before we start to get into the, uh, to the questions. So the A Pledge has come up. Larry's mentioned it. We've talked with Jeff Hillemeyer, one of the co-founders of the A Pledge. You are a co-founder, as am I, and um, uh, that's, where, that's where we met. What attracted you to the A-Pledge such that you decided, Katie, in your very busy life, you're going to carve out time to do that? You know, um, I I'm never too busy to tackle systemic racism, never, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because it's been a part of my life you know, since birth, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's something that I've always done, whether it's, you know, DE&I has, you know, it's kind of like a buzzword now. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have adopted it, but I've been fighting systemic racism for a very long time. And the importance of that today um, is just based on, you know, Jeff Hillmeyer, who I think have a lot of respect for. Yeah. And he's the way that he positioned it to me. This is an Atlanta based initiative. I live in this city. I want to make sure that the city that I live in is going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a place where people that look like me and UDC are going to have access, resources, and opportunities. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of a no brainer. He told me some of the different people who are going to be involved and I didn't hesitate. It wasn't something that I had to go back and think about. I knew that Jeff was going to be leading this initiative and I said, let's, let's move forward. I'm, I'm on board, fully on board and committed. Shout Jeff one time. Larry, yeah. any, any thoughts on that? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna offer one, but go ahead, brother. Yeah, I just wanna offer this. I heard someone, and I, I, I apologize, someone a lot smarter than me, I heard say this on a podcast and I can't remember who it was, but that, if you think about where racism is on a scale of one to 10, and you know, we're probably at best where 10 is where there's no racism anymore. We're probably at best at a three or four. You know, in the Jim Crow times, we were like zero. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then and then the, the Voting Racks Rights Act was established in, you know, in, in 65 and 
And so then we got to one or two. And then and by a way, lot Larry, of white people thought Larry, we were done. Larry, just real quick. Sorry to interrupt your brother. And slavery was in the negatives. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Didn't he, right, right. So, so, you know, but a lot of white people, D, here's the point. A lot of white people felt like, oh, they can vote now. It's all good. And I say they in air quotes because that's what people say. And whenever I hear that they word, it just makes me cringe. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I think a lot of a lot of this has come to the fore where George Floyd, as, as, as you as black folks know, this has been going on forever. You guys have known it. I'd like to think I'm a little woke and I've known it. But that George Floyd video was like, oh my God, like there were some white people who felt like we were at a 10 and realized, no, we're not at 10. We're not even close to it. And that opened people's eyes. And, and hopefully we can take what was an awful situation and, and, and at least attack systemic racism. And Katie, applaud you hugely for making it almost a, a, like a, a conscious and real part of your, of your life's journey, not only your career journey. One thing that I want to make, a that's a good point that you made, um, LT, because when Obama was elected, they called that the post-racial error, mm. you know, yeah. and it was just like a lot of people got real comfortable, real yeah. comfortable with him in the White House. A lot of Black people got a lot of real comfortable. It's like, oh, we're good. Yeah. We got one in. We're all good. Yeah. And a lot of things still happen like Obama was not he's not a savior he's the president he has limitations yep. mm -hmm. and I think that we all had to that George Floyd being murdered publicly caused a lot of us to wake up and say you know what this has to stop today yep. because we cannot do this anymore on the streets in the boardrooms, whatever the case may be, yeah. this has to stop today. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why right now the A pledge is so important because we, we really have to make sure that from an agency perspective and from a brand perspective, these brands that are actually engaging with us and partnering with the A pledge, we're gonna hold them accountable to make sure that the city that we live in, 64% black and brown, that has to be representation in the agencies and the brands that are in, the, in Atlanta as well. So it's, it's an important initiative. Awesome. Wonderfully said, uh, Katie. I, I have another analogy, uh, Larry, to your point about, well, they can vote now. So you know, they, they should be good or, uh, or things of, of the like. Um, you can live in California and be under the same sun and be in a home, all right? You could be two different homes. One of those homes could be valued at, let's call it $100,000. Another one of those homes under the same sun can be $100 million. Just because you both are living in what's called a house does not mean it's the same. Mm. And so, uh, the A pledge is about ensuring that in Atlanta, all of us have access to living in the house that our talent and skill and work ethic would have us live in. Yep. Nothing wrong with living in a $100,000 house in California. I'm not saying that at all. But if you want to live in a $100 million house and you've got the talent and skill to access to do so and desire, 
You ought to be able to do that. And in Atlanta, what we're saying is, we want to live airware. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. That's, that's, that's where we want to live. All right, so uh, we've done that. We're now getting into the five questions, Katie. So I hit you with one, Larry hits, hits you with one. We go back and forth until we get to five. So I'm gonna kick this thing off. Katie, our brand nerds are wanting to know, with all of these different experiences that you've had in your career and in your life, and, and it's quite diverse and robust, what's the first branding experience that you recall that really had you go, wow, I love this brand. I'm so into this brand. If it were taken away, I would be crushed. It could be a brand or an experience, a bit like a first love. What was this for you, Katie? You know, um, just just even thinking about that, um, I, I come from a creative household. Um, my mom, she sings. My mom used to make our clothes. My mom used to make costumes for like the concert choir. Oh, wow. Um, she, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember like jams. Remember jams back in the day, the clothes? Yeah. Bermuda oh, shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those. My mom used to make those. We used to go to the fabric store, pick out, you know, what fabric we wanted, and she would come home and make our, our jams for us. Wow. So it's coming from a creative home. Um, I just remember in the sixth grade, I ran for class president. Mm. And that was a big deal for me because I was not always, you know, very outgoing. Mm -hmm. My mom was like, you know, I was like, I really have something to say. I really think that this could be a great thing for me. And she was like, Let, let's go for it. Mm -hmm. So this was, this was my first campaign, <laughs> you know, per se, my first right. campaign. So you guys may not know this, but my, my, my birth name is Akate. It's African, Akate oh. Akante. Okay. But, you know, growing up, very, very difficult for people to pronounce. So I went to Katie. So mm -hmm. it was Katie for presidents. <laughs> and I was a huge fan of Jim and the holograms. Okay. So Katie for president, my slogan, she's truly outrageous. Ah. That was the Jim song, you know, Jim's, right. they're truly outrageous. So we made bulletin boards and with my slogan, Katie for president, she's truly outrageous. Glitter everywhere, because if you know anything about Jim and the holograms, it's all about this rock star. Right. Girls with pink hair, blue hair, green hair, yellow hair, and they're colorful. So we had glitter on all the different poster boards. And oh then I would throw candy on there too, glue candy on there so the kids can pull the candy. Oh. So I had my target demographic, which were the girls, because I didn't care about the boys. There's more girls than guys in, in my class, sixth grade class. So I was definitely targeting. Right. The yeah. girls had the candy and everything. And then, of course, as a part of, you know, you had to have a speech created. Uh -huh. The student body. So I had a pink wig, had on my pink gear, and I used to always wear Chuck Taylors, my pink high top oh, Taylors. Okay. Did my speech. And it, of course, when I ended, Katie Kern for president. She's truly outrageous. All the girls chanting the whole song. So it's just really? like, 
that was my big brand moment. And I was just like, the reception that I got from people, hey, what's up, Katie, in the hallway. She's yeah. truly outrageous. outrageous. That's me. I'm right. truly outrageous. Wow. So that was my my first branding moment. And I just never <laughs> look back. I'm like, look what you do when you can brand yourself as something. Oh, wow. The reception that you get from people, I just could not step away from it. That's what so kept me going on that track. <laughs> so Katie, sorry to interrupt you. So you won because you branded yourself. Okay, but I have to ask the question, did you win the election? I lost. Okay, <laughs> I had a feeling that might be the case, but you won because you truly made a name for yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I was won. not upset when I lost either. I was not upset because <laughs> in that moment, I became Katie Kern, not, not Katie Kern, Katie Nelson at the time. And yeah. she's truly outrageous. So that actually put me kind of in this new, you know, kind of well-respected group of popular kids, you know, because I was able to come up with something for myself. So yeah, I lost to a football player. It's fine, no big deal. <laughs> wow, Katie. Yes. Uh, what a story. It's a great story. What a, what a story. Let's start with that, that part. Katie, like brands, uh, major brands uh, or uh, or even medium size or smaller size brands, uh, Larry and I and Jeff and our practice and Jade, we have a saying. Uh, you know the saying, uh, S happens, since we're on public radio, I can't say the whole word, but S happens. We say positioning happens, mm -hmm. meaning either you position yourself or your brand or other folks will be happy to do it for you. Mm -hmm. And you might not like how they position you. You may Absolutely. not like it. So you took this thing and said, I'm going to position myself. That, 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 that's strong. And you did it as a sixth grader. All right. Yeah. yeah. There are some companies that have invested hundreds of millions of dollars. They've not figured this out yet. Okay. That's right. But you figured this out as a sixth grade. The second thing is we have a principle. Uh, we, we do 10 commandments of how to build a great brand. One of them is called sacrifice. So we say from a positioning standpoint, you must sacrifice and focus on who your brand lover is and not attempt to talk to all of the target markets. So brand lovers represent target markets by. You decided, okay, I'm going after the ladies. I'm going after the girls in here. The yeah. dudes, you all come along, but I'm going after the girls. So that's the second thing. The third is I got a question uh, for you. Can you pronounce uh, uh, your given name, the African given name, and can you share with us, what does it mean? So it's Akate. Akate. Yes, Akate. And it is grandmother's daughter. Ah, got it. Okay. Grandmother's daughter. Grandmother's okay. daughter. Okay. Nice. And Thank my, you. My family, so my sister is Kadada Nike and Nzinga Imani. Mm. Very, very, very intentional, strong names, but life happens you go to class first day of school and someone's like uh, 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 it's a kate yeah there's so mispronouncing it it becomes yeah. the laugh or you become the the joke in the class and mm. you just i'm like okay it's just katie it's just katie <laughs> just make this easy for people because this is this is too much so yeah all right so so katie I'm, i want to ask you something 
um, as a child sitting in a school with folks unable to, and in some cases unwilling to pronounce your given name, uh, what did it feel like to you to at that moment when you recognized you have to come up with a name that's not your name, not for you, but for others. What was that moment like for you? It, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, it happened so early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom and dad, you know, very, very proud Black people. Mm -hmm. you know, my dad was a part of the Black Panther Party chapter in Augusta, Georgia. My mom, wow. you know, very, very well-educated woman who, you know, has, you know, history from a, you know, HBCU mm -hmm. and both parents went to an HBCU. And then you have these children who you want to put these, you know, very, very intentional names, apply them and make them, their names mean something. Right. And mm -hmm. we talk about them in, in the home and we, there's so much pride in the home. Then you go into these institutions and they literally force you to strip yourself of that, mm. of that culture. Mm. And because mm -hmm. it makes them comfortable because no one was trying, you know, it was embarrassing because it was like Ecolette. And I'm like, as a child, you know, I could get an attitude. Where you get that from? Exactly, yeah. you know, and it's not like, you know, I wanted to be respectful and never check a teacher. So it was just yeah. like, it's just call me Katie. And so it just mm. became this thing where it's like, I was constantly losing myself year after year. They're stripping mm. this away from me. You know, no matter how much, you know, it's just, it made everyone else comfortable that I was Katie. When I was Katie, mm. it was comfortable. So it was just that, mm. that feeling of just being, you know, your identity being stripped away from you. And that, that was the feeling that I got. Mm. Yeah, Katie, it's, it's interesting. My name, my given name is Lawrence. My parents have never called me that in either one in, in my whole life, even when they were mad at me, which was often. Um, but mm -hmm. you know how people say, a lot of people say if you're someone like Philip and they'll be called Philip when they're in trouble. That never happened with me. But on the first day of school, I'd hear Lawrence, which I didn't like. And then my last name is Taman, and it's very easy to mispronounce. So invariably it was Lawrence Taman or something. And I remember that feeling in the first day, oh, like they're going to pronounce, they're going to say my name, both names are going to be bad for me. <laughs> so so yeah. I know that that feeling, which I think in some ways is even worse, the, 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 the way you, you, you've just mentioned it, because that's just the name pronunciation, but your name was really a part of who you are. Absolutely. Right? So that feeling as a kid, it's so hard, you know, to balance that, like, fitting in versus sticking out, right? Absolutely, and, and we think about it, you know, my mom even coming home and she was like, why are they calling you Katie? And I was like, oh, yeah. We yeah. call her Katie, you know, I was, like, it's, I was like, it's just a nickname. And she was just like, are you okay with that? I was like, yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, because I, I had to be fine with it because right. everyone else was comfortable. Everyone else was relaxed you know, versus, you know, where did that name come from? That's a, that's a weird name. Yeah. Like, no, my name isn't, you know, Katie, but if that makes you feel comfortable, let's, let's just go with it. Let's just, let's just really go with it. But it was a way to not 
you know, cause any conflict or to fit in just Mm -hmm. to make things, you know, people just kind of not have that spotlight on myself because as I told you, I was very shy Mm -hmm. growing up. So it was just a way to deflect so that, you know, it didn't cause any disruption. Mm. Really interesting. This is where the psychology of that, again, the fitting in versus sticking out. And as a kid, you want to fit in. Absolutely. Yeah. Katie, we have done how many podcasts, Larry, so far? 60? About 60. We've never had a conversation like this around a name. Nope. And we know that there are people listening now who have similar stories and maybe have never talked about it. And so for those of you who are listening uh, now who have changed your name or anything else to make other people comfortable, uh, we're gonna encourage you to find the platform just as Katie and, and Larry and I are having now to talk about what that thing was for you what, what did you um, have to endure being stripped away from you in the name of comfortability of others? I'm just so glad that we've had um, this conversation. Yes. Larry, you, you want to hit the next one, bro? Let's do it. All right. So I, I think in, I could be wrong. I might be jumping the gun here. But our second question Katie might have been a really good segue. Who's had or is having the most influence on your career? um, That that is an interesting one. I'm going to say my family. And when I say my family, that's my mother and my two sisters. Okay. And I'll tell you why. So my mom, she's always, um, we call her, my mom is Elizabeth. And we call her Queen Elizabeth because we respect this woman so much. She, um, single mom raised, you know, three girls and she did it with so much grace. Mm-hmm. And we are the product of Queen Elizabeth. Mm. And not, not a day goes by without me talking to my mom, consulting with my mom and growing up, my mom would always tell us, she was like, you know, I would say, oh, I want to be like this. She was like, you don't know who that is. Mm. I don't want to you saying that you want to be like that person when you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So she would never allow us to idolize ce- celebrities or, mm. you know, she was like, you can appreciate the things that they've done, but she would never allow us to kind of idolize these people. Mm-hmm. And she was like, your role models are the people that are in your, your tight knit circle, your family. Mm-hmm. And there's Lots of my mom has nine brothers and sisters. So there's plenty of people for us to, you know, idolize, you know, within our family Mm -hmm. uh, because we have a pretty large family, but every move that I've made in my career, my, I've consulted with my mom, you know, when I decided to pick up and move from the South and go up North, you know, to Boston to start working at Reebok, you know, I questioned that because this is home. The South is home for me. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of different connections. My mom is really tightly connected in you know, various communities. And that was very comforting to me. Mm-hmm. And my mom, you know, she was like, no, I, I know you need to get away and you need to prove mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And those, that type of encouragement, every step of the way, when I've made any decision in my life and my professional career, I've consulted with my mom. Mm-hmm. I know she's not going to steer me wrong. 
-hmm. even when I'm afraid, you know, or there is the challenge I think is too big. I know my mom is going to give me the right advice. Mm -hmm. And I have my older sister, Kadada, who is my biggest cheerleader <laughs> ever. Mm. Anything that I've ever done in my life, this woman, whew, sorry. Oh, please, it's okay. All good. She's been there for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to Kadada. Is that the way you pronounce it? Kadada. She's, she's been there for me. Wow. Then go to my younger sister. She's a hater. She's always been a hater. <laughs> you got to have those people in your life. <laughs> you got to have the balance. You got, you got a wonderful yeah, balance. What I did, it's always her saying something or do whatever. So she's always taught me. I was like, no one can ever say anything because like, I, I know what a hater looks like. That was <laughs> You you, there's nothing you can deflect or anything. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, people that have really been that village for me, it's just, it's been my mom and my two sisters, you know, mm -hmm. good, bad, ugly, you know, they, they've guided my career for me and um, they've never led me astray. So, mm. yeah. Mm. You know, Katie, I'm struck with, like we said that, like, that, that width and breadth of support that you have, it's perfect, right? You know, you have Kadada, who's the biggest cheerleader in your, and your, what's your younger sister's name? I'm sorry. Yeah, Nzinga. Nzinga, that, that, that's a perfect um, duo to help you go out in the world, right? <laughs> support and also battle tested. And then your mom's just the, the matriarch and always there. So, you were given an incredible nest to, uh, to both be developed from and then go forward and prosper, if that makes sense. That's what it, the, the, the way you've said it. Uh, that's amazing. Absolutely. And, I, and they are, they're always a part of my life in some sort of way. I mean, we're very, very close. We probably talk more often when we probably need to. It's probably a little bit... Um, yeah unhealthy but it's um, uh, I rely on them so much and um it's just helped me to just kind of keep me grounded and and really move forward like I'm my mom always said move with no fear mm. it's a mindset it's definitely mm. a mindset not danger is something very different not going out into danger but fear is a mindset mm. and once you can get rid of that fear you can move forward in, in, in such a great way Love that. That's strong. Katie, you having uh, grown up with two sisters, um, I think you know this about me, but if not, you'll, you'll learn it now. Um, I have three daughters. I do know that, DC. Yes, we talked about this. Uh, three daughters. And my hope for my girls, uh, they are uh, Haley, Lauren, and Sydney. Shout to them. Shout to my girls is that as they um, matriculate through life, um, that after I'm gone, because at some point I'm not gonna be here, that they will remain close as a sisterhood. It gives me hope that that will happen listening to uh, your story, uh, 
with Kedada and uh, and Zynga. Mm -hmm. So this this it, I'm I'm giving I'm having a warm feeling inside uh, thinking about that. And as you begin to get emotional talking about the support you had had and have with Kedada, um, I am um, I'm hoping that my daughters will be able to say that and feel that about one of their sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I know uh, this, uh, I, I too was raised by uh, a single black mother. And uh, I didn't know it at the time when she was raising me, uh, rest in peace. Uh, but my mother was largely alone. Mm -hmm. So she was out in this world trying to make it as a mother uh, the primary exclusive breadwinner. And not only was she trying to inspire her babies, me and my sister Lynette, she was trying to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. She was trying to keep us safe. Yes. And, um, and so for your mother, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, love that. To, yeah, love that. To have done that for you and your sisters, um, I just... Uh, I just say respect. Big time. Yeah, respect. You, you, say, that, you, you say that alone. Um, my, my dad passed away a couple of years ago, coming on two years, and my mom, they were married for over 50 years, and she's still, every day, you know, um, she doesn't have kids. My sister and I are older and fine, and she struggles with that every day. And I just, I often thought about single moms and mm. all that they have to deal with and all that you just mentioned that your mom and, and Katie's mom have to deal yeah. with, it's incredible that, and you, and you both are the, the out products and, uh, and byproducts yes. of that, right? Like it's yes. really amazing. They're the heroes. Mm. True heroes for sure. Mm. All right, uh, Larry, shall I go to the next question, brother? Please do. All right, Katie, and your storied career with all of the different computations and permutations that have had you arrive at this place before us now on this podcast, you've had some wins. You've definitely had a lot of W's in your career. But we don't want to hear about any of those in this question, Katie. Uh -huh. We want to hear about the L's, okay? <laughs> so what, what's the biggest F up you've had uh, in, what did you learn from it? So um, when I was working um, for an agency, there was a point in time where I knew that my time was like coming to an end. Mm -hmm. you know, I was just, you know, not really feeling, you know, the clients per se, my passion lied somewhere else in a different industry. Mm -hmm. And I just started not feeling like I, I belong there any longer. Okay. But where I effed up is that I started moonlighting on the side ah. other endeavor. Okay. And slowly started creeping into overlapping into the the main job that was paying the bills. Okay. All right. And that was a huge mistake because the owners of the company, they found out. Okay. 
and they saw that, you know, I was doing a lot of other things, you know, for other clients that weren't their clients. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just pretty much disrespectful. Okay. You know, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. they clearly were a very gracious um, agency who took me in and helped me grow within that particular agency. But at that moment in time, I should have never started doing other client work. Mm-hmm. Left and left on good terms versus mm-hmm. them saying, this is not working out for us any longer because we see you doing something else over here and it's in conflict mm-hmm. with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't happy, I should have made that decision, but I didn't. So that was a huge mistake. Mm. And I tell people all the time, lesson learned from that is if you see that you're not happy somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, don't burn those bridges. Mm-hmm. Do not burn mm-hmm. those bridges because especially when people have treated you fairly. Yep. Mm-hmm. When you do things like that, I feel like, you know, people, they don't trust you. Yep. And, um, and it does cause that wedge. So it took a while in order for me to go back and say, where I felt comfortable saying to them, thank you for that opportunity. And I apologize for what I did because I did Mm -hmm. not want there to be that lingering um, notion that I was someone who was um, dishonest, which I was dishonest in that moment Mm -hmm. um, because that's not who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. So just... If you're not happy in a situation, a work situation, you know, it's it's best to just leave mm-hmm. respectfully versus trying to do things that could possibly um, cause some conflict in that existing, you know, opportunity because I know I needed that job. Right. <laughs> that job. And and I did respect the people that I worked for and I did not want to hurt them, but I did ultimately. So yeah, biggest, biggest, biggest F up. For sure. Wow, that's a really interesting story, Dee. I have a quick mm-hmm. question for Katie. Mm-hmm. So the whole you painted the picture wonderfully. One of the things I did notice is that when you sort of set it as a side toward the end, that you went back and apologized later. Yeah. How later was that, and was there an appreciation of these folks that you, even if it was later, that you that that you did that? How did that go? It's interesting because I actually um, ran into one of the partners at a coffee shop. Hmm. And at that moment in time, I wanted to avoid him like the plague. Right. <laughs> I, was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Yeah. Right. yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's not about you right now. This is an absolutely great moment mm-hmm. for you to make amends. And when I did, go up to him and just say, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes? We actually got our coffee and sat down at a table and talked about what went down and what was happening. And I apologized and he was just like, thank you so much. Mm. You, know, like, you didn't have to do this, but thank you so much. And you know, we miss you, we want you back. <laughs> Wow. And, you know, it just opened up an opportunity. And then I had established my own agency at the time and he was sending work my way. Wow. Wow. So that became like 
still a relationship that I that I have to this day. So it's, um, but in that moment, I did not do right by that um, employer. And um, that's something that I do regret um, because it was, I was selfish. I was very selfish at that time. And, mm -hmm. and I paid the price for it. Mm. When we're younger, we make decisions like that because we don't have the experience to fall back on or we see things not as holistically. So you could feel like you're being wronged or you're not in the right account or something like that. And you're, you're easily, you can easily rationalize, well, I, I need to make more money. This isn't working. I'll just do this. And I think as you get older with some perspective as you, you, you've had, you know, that's, um, that obviously uh, changes your thought process. And I think it's incredible that, you know, you went from probably in that coffee shop, that nervous moment, uh-oh, mm -hmm. to that end up being in a, that was meant to be, right? That you, you now, not yeah. only did you, you probably felt the, in some ways, the weight of the world off you, right, Katie, after you had that apology? Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know how you, when you're nervous, your body sweats and you're hot. Oh yeah. It was just, it was, I was so hot and I was just like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do this because right. it just, the rejection is what I was envisioning in my head. Mm -hmm. he's going to reject me and he's not going to want to have anything to do with me. Right. But it was my responsibility at that moment. Yep. If he rejected me. He had every right to. Yep. Absolutely. And so I had to be, I was going to have to take it, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, yep. but he was so gracious and so nice to me that I was just, I was floored. I was like, I didn't realize it was actually going to go this well. Yeah. And it did. And it was just a simple apology saying yes. that you were wrong and you want to make amends that goes so far well, in life. And this, to this day, we are truly friends and I could not ask for a better outcome at all. That's awesome. Oh, what a story. Katie, you moved with accountability with a capital A. Yes. When we started this podcast, we had this question and we had a couple of our guests sort of maybe elegantly move around the accountability question. So it was more of a small a, lowercase a. And so Larry and Jeff and I were talking, Katie, and we said, you know what? We got to call folks out. Like we got to call, yeah. this, is, this is a real question. And we've done that. Like some, somebody comes in and say, well, you know, because of somebody else did something like, oh, no, no, hold on, hold on a second. What, what did you do? So. Mm -hmm impressed by the accountability, capital A. The second is uh, courage. Took courage for you yes. to do what you did. And courage is not something that can be given. Courage is something that has to be developed or earned. Mm -hmm. So it's not like someone could just go to you, hey, Katie, <laughs> let me give you this, put this courage on you real quick. You, you got to work for the, uh, for the courage. And then finally, I'll say this, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before. When I talk with my daughters, I'm just amazed at the connections I'm finding with my daughters. Uh, and I, I say to them sometimes, um, when there's a breakdown and something goes incredibly bad or just bad, I'd like you all to go through 
a five-step process dealing with the letter A. Okay, the first A is awareness. And I think, Katie, did you and I talk about this at some point? I we mentioned this. Not, but I, I'm, I'm right ready to listen. I'm right, right, right. right now. It's awareness. Become aware that something has gone down. Because if you're not aware of it, there's nothing you can do of it. The second one is acceptance or acknowledgement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did do something here. This is the role that I've played in this breakdown, this issue. The third step, Katie, is the apology. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. My bad. Didn't know it was going to go down like that. Or I was selfish or whatever the words may be. I apologize. The fourth A is to adapt. Okay. I now know I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That didn't work out so well. So I'm going to adapt. And the fifth is action. So take some action that is forensically tangible that says, I'm not down with that. And I, I say to my girls, you take these five A's and apply them to situations like this, it will eventually be okay. Even if it's not okay with the other person, you will grow from it. So just a, a wonderful answer, Katie. I love that, DC, love yeah. it. Yeah, wonderful answer, thank you. All right, uh, Larry? Love it. Okay, so question four, Katie. So uh, it's, it's so cool because, you know, regarding technology and marketing, you and, uh, and your colleagues at um, Media Frenzy Global are really, truly social media experts. So mm -hmm. you've had an, an awesome vantage point to ask you this question. Can you tell us where you think marketers should lean in or best leverage tech versus areas that they should be leery? Oh, wow. So from a, a tech perspective, I, I'm really someone who likes to be curious and try new things. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different, when you talk about, you know, social media, there's so many different platforms that are out there that a lot of companies are really hesitant to try, you know, because sometimes we like to categorize ourselves in marketing. Oh, we, we're B2B, we do B2C. I'm like, we, it's human to human. It's human to human. Yeah. 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 We've talked about that so often on our podcast. It, it, completely agree. And when you think about that, you know, I think about um, some of the new tools that are on the horizon right now. Clubhouse is one of them. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I feel like that is a, a great platform that's being utilized in, in such a great way right now where brands are going to kind of take hold of it and really figure out how to best leverage it and to really communicate, you know, with their target demographic. It's a, a private invite only type scenario right now, but they're letting people in by leaps and bounds right now. So yeah. that's, that's gonna alleviate some of those challenges. But what has happened is that they've allowed to communities to organically evolve within the space. Mm -hmm. No one has told people where to go. It's really like, I wanna create this space or this group and I'm gonna name it this to where it's, I mean, it could be something as simple as um, black women with natural hair. Mm -hmm. And you see this group 
mm-hmm. of women flooding to this particular room. That's what they call them in Clubhouse, these rooms. And now if you're a brand and you're targeting this demographic, that group already exists for you. On that for just a second, can you just give uh, our brand nerds just a quick synopsis of what Clubhouse is? Oh, good. So Clubhouse is right now an invitation only platform. And the best way that I like to describe it is it's basically, it's a a podcast on steroids where Mm -hmm. everyone's talking to one another. Right. You know, there's no video, um, there's no chatting feature. It's pretty much host and listeners and and having conversations around various topics. You can go in and you can create rooms where you're having conversations or you can create groups where you actually have people who are like-minded around that particular group or topic and you go in and and you can create events around certain subject matters. But it's becoming such a place where organically people are kind of separating like you're in a lunchroom. You know how you go into a lunchroom yeah. and yeah. The, the kids who are, you know, the emo kids or the jocks or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. This is organically happening within Clubhouse and brands are sitting back and watching this all unfold. Right. And there's going to be an opportunity for them to pounce on these different groups, hopefully in the right way. Right. It doesn't feel like they're trying to sell because right. if you try to sell within Clubhouse, they're going to eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Because we know about cancel culture. You come in there and it's not authentic. They're going to literally get out, cut you yeah. off at the knees. Mm-hmm. And then there's Twitter spaces, which is pretty much the same thing as Clubhouse. But what Twitter has done, they have this Twitter's all open. Right now it's in beta, but Twitter spaces is very similar to Clubhouse. It's a great way for people to have these conversations. Um, but everyone is going to be able, if you're a Twitter user starting in April, everyone will have access to Twitter spaces, which is very, very similar platform to Clubhouse. Mm. And I think people are tired of being on um, camera. I think people would love rather to have conversations without having to always be on camera. It's, It's allowed people to have a voice in these spaces. I've had conversations with many people. They were like, I feel so much more comfortable speaking up and speaking out on Clubhouse or Twitter spaces because I don't have to show my face. Right. You know, I don't have to be dressed up or you see my facial expressions or whatever the case may be. They feel so much comfortable having conversations on a platform like that, but it's going Mm -hmm. to be a marketer's dream Mm -hmm. once everyone really figures it out. And so Katie, you guys at Media Frenzy Global are totally on the cusp because you, you have to then be the experts to consult with your clients. Hey, client A, uh, Clubhouse is, is something you guys really need to, need to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Maybe you wait on on Twitter Spaces, etc. So this is why I want to just point out to the to the brand nerds out there that you guys are on the forefront of really knowing everything that's happening here. LT, even just today, we're having a, a conversation with a client. Um, they're doing this webinar around. Um, Human Rights Day that's coming up. Yep. And they're, ha- they're gonna have this webinar. And one of the um, recommendations that we provided to them is like, um, this is gonna be a huge initiative because they're actually gonna have the Mandela Foundation a part of this conversation. Oh, oh wow. So yeah. 
one of the things that we recommend to them, let's keep this conversation going. Let's not just stop at this webinar, yeah. let's keep the conversation going and take it to Clubhouse uh-huh. and let's do some conversations on Clubhouse. And they were all for it. It was like, yes, we're all in because they do want to keep the conversation going. And this content that you can actually repurpose as well. There's media that comes into Clubhouse rooms that are really special like this. And so there's possible media coverage that this can go viral very quickly right. in a Clubhouse room as well, because people like to share Clubhouse conversations mm-hmm. across social media. So mm-hmm. there's lots of different ways that you can start really um, adding you know, um, these platforms to your marketing mix because there's, there's so much like longevity with them because you can repurpose that content over and over. Right. Mm. Great. That, thanks for that, Katie. Do you have anything to add to, to this? Questions just or comments? You, just a thank you to Katie because she invited me to uh, Clubhouse twice. So she said, <laughs> first invite. Said, do you know about this, DC? Oh, oh, okay, uh, Katie, are you laughing with me or at me right now? I cannot. I'm laughing at you. I'm always laughing with you, DC. Okay, okay, right, 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 right. <laughs> she, says, she sends me one invite, uh, Larry, and uh, I don't do anything with it. Then we're on another conversation with other folks. She says, you know, uh, they mentioned it up. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Now she's on the Zoom now. She's like, yeah, I know you heard of it because I sent you the goddamn And I said, okay, Katie, send it to me again. Now, here's the bad news. Larry, this is just between you and I, just a little secret, okay? I did join, but I've not been on one clubhouse, okay? I've not been inside of one of these little clubhouses. So I eventually I got to do that. So. Uh, and just to point this out, DC, I want to yeah. let you know that people are selling clubhouse invites on social media. They actually have a monetary value. Wow. So, yes, they do. So I want you to make sure that you've got gold from me when I sent okay. you that Thank invite. You. So, listen, I already <laughs> knew it, Katie, but uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, some of the brand nerds know this is that I am uh, maniacally private. Mm-hmm. And so while social media is a part of the work we do personally, I don't do it. So I'm, I'm on IG. You know how many posts that I've made on IG? Wanna take a guess, Katie? Six. I'm just gonna say you're filling up six boxes so okay. far. If, if you took the tail off and the, the little bottom part of it is zero, zero. Yeah, I was gonna say, you gotta go under, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Done zero. So here's what I'm going to commit to now. After this podcast, Katie, you and I will have a chat, text, or this, and we will work out where I will hop onto a clubhouse. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. So thank you. I'm holding you to that. Oh, you're done. Okay. Done. The least I can do if you sprinkled a little gold dust my way, the least I can do is go, oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now next question. Katie, what are you most proud of? Ooh, that's a that's a loaded, loaded, loaded question. Um I I think one of the things I'm most proud of is being a partner with the agent with Media Frenzy Global. Mm-hmm. It's not the partnership that I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. is the opportunities that I'm able to extend to others that look mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know DC, I've, you've met Tawanda. I have. Tawanda yep. is- Shout Tawanda. <laughs> Shout Tawanda. I've only met Tawanda on Zoom. 
but yeah, you've met Tawanda on Zoom and Tawanda, um, she actually worked with me when I had my agency circa PR as an intern. Oh, wow. She, when she moved to Atlanta um, five years ago, um, she started out at Media Frenzy as an intern. And this week we promoted her to PR director. Oh, congratulations. Frenzy. So it's oh, just having those, um, having, you know, being in a position where I can actually extend those types of opportunities because I know it's difficult for especially black women to break into um, marketing, PR, um, whatever the case may be, because if you look at the number, the statistics, you know, we make up 3% mm -hmm. of the agency world. Yeah. And sometimes we're the only one within our, you know, environments. You know, I can remember on probably most of my career, I was the only one. Mm -hmm. um, ridiculously low number, I have to just yeah. say. I mean, you know, Very low number. So I mean, from a proud standpoint, you know, I get an influx, an influx of inquiries from young girls from you know black girls who are at college and they're like I want to intern with you I want to intern for you and I'm like I can't accept you all but you know let's keep in contact and I am able to give some of them internship opportunities we are able to give um you know employ you know full-time employment opportunities and if I weren't sitting in this position I could not do that right. and, and real and feel good about it because I know that when I worked in corporate America if I'd interviewed someone black, I'm like, I hope they don't think that I'm trying to bring in, you know, another black person. It was always a little bit of a fear factor, but when you are, when it's your own, yep. and I don't have to think twice about it. It's, yep. it's kind of like, this is what I'm going to do because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Mm. Love it. Mm. <laughs> wow, Larry? Anything? Yeah, on I don't know, man. I, I, I don't that's have anything, brother. I can't, I can't. I can't ask a question after that. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, Katie. I, I'm just one quick comment. I, I'm I'm struck with again that your mindfulness in knowing mm -hmm. what you can and can't do and when to do that. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful. It really is. It really is. And that right. feels so good, feels so good to get up. And DC, you see me on a, a lot of different occasions and LT, yeah. you see more of me, but I'm always amped. Yes. I'm always amped, ready to go because I truly, truly love what I do. Yeah. And I truly, truly know who I'm doing it for. Mm. Yes. And, and that just, it just feeds my spirit and my soul every single day. So I'm, I'm always being fed every single day. So I'm, I'm so good, so happy, and it's I'm I'm in a good space, very very good space. This is where I'm supposed to be. Yes, mm. Wonderful, and Katie, you wear that literally and metaphorically. Yes, <laughs> I I concur. Yes, I yes. concur. I just want to say one thing. Uh, I've, I've been on Zooms with Tawanda. I sure be glad when I can be in meetings, uh, proper meetings yes. with uh, with folks again. But Zooms with Tawanda, and it's clear that Tawanda appreciates yes. you, Katie, and the opportunities afforded. 
that that is clear. Watching you guys together on these zooms, I'm like, yeah, they they're uh, uh, they're good. And and again, father of three daughters, it it really makes me feel good to see sisters teaming up mm-hmm. and doing great work together. Yeah, that 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 in particular. I like to see that. I like to experience that. I like to be around that, that energy. So yeah, you 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 really are about that life, Katie. Yeah. You know what else too? I also noticed that Tawanda, and I mean this in the most positive, 100% great way, she's like uh, a mini Katie, meaning she's just a less experienced Katie. She's yeah. clearly taken Katie your direction, but she's still her own person at the same time. But it's clear that she's been been really well schooled by you, um, yeah. which is wonderful. See, Tawanda's getting a lot of run. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> Deservedly so. I know she's listening to this podcast. I, I'm hoping that she's going to be happy with what she's hearing. She might be like, why y'all talking about me? <laughs> no, she is definitely um, T-Money, as I like to call her. Yes, you've said she that. Is, she is very much so a... Um, it's it's such a great relationship. It's big big sister, little sister. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. she, um, I give her tough love, um, but everything is in love. Yeah. You know, everything that comes from me is is not always going to be you know, you know unicorns and rainbows. Yep. I'm gonna mm-hmm. give it to her straight, and she appreciates it all the time because she'll say to me, she's like, Katie, thank you so much, thank <laughs> you so much for just giving it to me straight. I'm like, you know what? And that's the only way that I know how to do it. That's, yep. what, that's how Queen Elizabeth taught me. So this is what mm. I, this is what I do. <laughs> mm. Love it. Mm. All right, D, should we go to the next segment? Let's do it, brother. All right, all right. So Katie, you've been forewarned. Our next segment is what's popping? What's popping, D? What's popping? So Katie, this is our chance to shout out, shout down, or simply air something happening in and around marketing today that we think is good fodder for discussion. So I, 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 I there's, Katie can't see, people can't see, yeah. Katie is, is warming up her hands. See, we've never done this before. I think we should throw it to Katie first. What do you think? Oh, Larry, what a great idea. Katie, lay it down, lay it down. The floor is yours. I'm so ready for this because what's popping right now, to be truly honest, I want everyone to follow the hashtag Black Women at Work. Ooh, Black Women at Work, okay. You're gonna put that in the show notes. Okay, Black Women at Work, okay, speak on it, speak and on it. And the reason why is because this is really, it's not a hashtag that just was formulated, you know, in the last couple of days. It's actually been out there for a while, but it's just started gearing up, firing up because of the Meghan Markle story. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So everyone saw the Oprah interview, and that was a fantastic interview mm-hmm. by Oprah Winfrey. You, I have to admit, Katie, you and I talked about this the other day. I, you, you compelled me to go see it, and I'm so glad you did. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome, because it's, it's really, really important for people to understand how Black women are treated within institutions mm-hmm. that were not built for them. Mm-hmm. And when Meghan Markle told her story and she talked about not being protected yeah. within the institution, it literally sparked this 
whole topic about black women in the workplace because we know time and time again that we are not protected in the workspaces. The unconscious biases, you know, having to deal with, you know, pay quality, you know, simple things that a lot of people, these microaggressions that happen day to day, laws having to be created around our hair, mm -hmm. not discriminating against us, you know, based on even how we wear our hair. Mm -hmm. It's really important for people to understand that this has to stop. Mm -hmm. And Meghan Merkel, as lovely as she communicated what was happening to her, you know, in the things that were happening in the royal family, it really became very clear that no matter how light you are and close to white you are, yeah. you are still going to be treated as black. Yep. And that was a, a very, very pivotal moment and black women right now are just very, very supportive of Megan because her situation is not, is not an isolated situation. It's something that happens to us day in and day out. So right. I encourage people to really go and check out that hashtag because if you wanna see what's popping, listen to those stories that are being told through that hashtag. It's, 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 it's profound. Wow, Katie, I'm so glad you're sharing that. Uh, and I'm really struck. I was struck in watching that interview with even the way she, Megan said that I just felt alone yeah. and, and like you said, not protected. And you're thinking, you're in Buckingham Palace, but yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then it just gets you to think, and again, this is where I, I've said this, I've said this on the show, I've said this in forums we've had um, uh, on race, I'm going to say it again, mm -hmm. is a white people's problem mm -hmm. that white people have to recognize. Again, it goes to D your five, five A's, right? Mm -hmm. Awareness. Yeah. Most white people are still not in the awareness. Yeah. And why would you want anybody to feel that way if you care about them at all, that they're not protected? And so uh, it just, it, it's got to start there. Um, White people have to have to change. Mm. Absolutely. I didn't know about this hashtag, uh, Black Women at Work. I didn't either. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, really Absolutely. glad you did. And the connection you're making to um, uh, Meghan Markle. But what this reminds me of, um, and I, I look a lot at uh, how the body operates and how nature operates because i believe these things are pure mm -hmm. so with the body you can't say to the body you know what i kind of want to get in shape but the way i'm going to do it is i'm going to pop a dozen donuts every day mm -hmm. the body's going to say no 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 i'm not going to give you the in shape body you want because that's not how it works i'm true what you put into me is what you're going to get out of me and the same thing with, with nature. Like, so a tree isn't gonna go and lie to me. A tree's gonna be a tree. And they're not gonna say, hey, look over at me. I'm now a lion. No, it's a tree. So this is why I look to, to, to the body and nature for clues about life and business. Let me relate an analogy to uh, the Meghan Mar uh, Markle situation. 
when you have to have an organ transplant, all of this work is done to make certain that the body won't reject the organ. Right. Yes, you got a liver. Yep, you got, yep, you got a new kidney. Mm -hmm. But if the body says, I don't want it, yep. it's got to come out. Yep. And so uh, I, I, my belief is that the institution of the monarchy as a body was not ready for an organ called a black woman. It just wasn't ready. It tried, they did the surgery, they sutured up the patient, looked like everything was good, but in that body, it was going, oh no, 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 no. So now the organ is outside of the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so and now and now the patients having some issues uh, uh, right now. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And unfortunately for our sisters, our black and brown sisters, you all too frequently find yourselves as an organism inside of a body that is rejecting you, mm -hmm. and that is sad. It's a great analogy, D. It's Very good analogy. Love it. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. All right, uh, uh, Larry, uh, you mind if I go next? No, take it. Uh, all right. So a far less substantive uh, what's popping for me, but one I've been really looking forward to talking to you about, Katie, because this is your profession. It's around PR. So I'm going to take it to football. So a couple of days ago, Dak Prescott lands a massive deal as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Now he's a brother and it took him two years to make the deal. There's a whole story behind that, which I will not belabor here, but he finally got his deal. And his deal is a $160 million deal and $126 million of this is guaranteed. And so uh, over, the, over, over the next year or so, just in this deal, he's gonna pocket $95 million cash between $60 million signing bonus and then the rest in his, uh, in his salary. Uh, he was tagged last year, which for the brand nerds that does not know what that means, is that's when a NFL franchise can say, we don't want you to leave. We don't have a contract for you. So we're gonna franchise tag you and it pays you the average of the top five in that position. And um, in um, Dak's case, that was about uh, $31.4 million. So this brother's gonna be making over the course of roughly 18 months, he's gonna be bagging a hundred million dollars in cash money. And to that, I say, thank you, brother. Congratulations, well played. And since we're talking about the monarchy and my brethren and sister over in the UK, good shout. Yeah. Good shout. All right, I'm gonna say that to him. Um, however, what's interesting is in this world of social media where everyone's got a comment, Katie and Larry, over the course of the negotiations and all of that, Dak didn't say a word. Mm. Nothing came out of this brother's mouth. He didn't right. tweet anything. He didn't post anything on IG. He didn't give anybody a, a clip or a soundbite. He did nothing. Mm -hmm. And now he's sitting on racks, on mm -hmm. racks, on racks. So Katie, on the surface, this would appear to be a strategy one would not be advising him to do. You got Russell Wilson right now through his agent saying, hey, I want to be here in Seattle, but 
if if I were going to go anywhere, I'd go to these five teams. That would be like if I'm married, and I'm I'm stealing this from uh, Mike Greenberg, by the way, ESPN. Uh, get up. So uh, my my wife, I'm not married now, but if I were married, my wife saying, "Baby, I love you. I want to be with you." But if I'm not going to be with you, here are the five <laughs> other people I like to be with. Okay, like, you know your marriage is in trouble. So 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 Russell has used through his agent. He hadn't said anything else. Other folks, Katie and uh, Larry, they tweet, they say all kinds of things yeah. during negotiations in order to try to get things to go their way. From a PR uh, expert's perspective, what are your thoughts on Dak using silence as a negotiating tool in the public eye? Great question. So silence speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes when athletes in general, specifically during negotiation periods, when you become free agents or whatever the case may be, they get a lot of bad advice, mm -hmm. a lot of bad advice. And if you're not careful, it could literally, it could bite you mm. in the backside. Mm-hmm. I'm really shocked that you, you're saying that um, Russell Wilson's people are talking, but he's not talking. His agent's talking, but he's not, yeah. But he's not. So I've always considered Russell to be a, a pretty well um, respected yes. and pretty educated. Very much. Smart voice. He yeah. says smart things. Yes. So for him, this, this is definitely a strategy. Yep. It's definitely a strategy. And I think that it's something that a lot of athletes fall back on with their agents. Let's go out. I'm not happy here. I do want to leave and go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, but you can say it. Yeah, you can yeah. say it because he wants to come out. Well, however this turns out, he wants yeah. his hands clean. Yes, go Hawks. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's the thing. He's been a, a Seattle institution. He's loved in Seattle. Yeah. So again, whether you agree or not with the strategy, you can see right, you can see through it that, He's saying, I love Seattle. And his agent said that. Oh, Russell loves Seattle. He doesn't want to leave. And then here's the butt, right? The, <laughs> then the butt comes. When you're the butt, then everything changes. So um, in that sense, he wants to inoculate himself from, um, from being the bad guy and leaving. So yeah. that's clearly what Russell's doing. Well, that's Russell's personal brand. Yes, that's yep. right. He's the good guy. He's the yep. good guy. Yes, right. He's the, guy. He's the nice guy. He's the good yep. guy. He's the family man. So they don't want to tarnish that yep. because if he becomes this loud mouth saying that he's unhappy yep. and all of that, he's that was strategically done. No question. So understand, you know, why he's why he's doing that. But there are consequences to your actions. We saw what happened with Braun when he left Cleveland. Oh yeah. yeah. Wanted to go to Miami. I love Cleveland. I love, I'm an Akron boy. Yeah. But you still I'm taking, left. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Exactly, yeah. because that's where you want it to be. You want it, your family and your kids in the warm weather. Yep. And that's where you want it to be. You didn't want to be in Ohio any longer. And we, mm -hmm. we get it. These people are human. We have to understand sometimes yep. athletes are humans. Mm -hmm. they, are, they, they are owned. Let's be honest, they are owned by these franchises. Yes. And they have to move in certain ways. Yep. But from a PR perspective, it, it really is about Russell protecting his personal brand. Mm -hmm. Let his agent be, you know, the outspoken kind yep. of, 
you know, someone who has the strategy in place and saying, you know what, we are open to other conversations, but you know what, Russell's, he's like, I love Seattle. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I, I would not, you know, for Russell, he has a great brand. Um, his agent talking, it probably would happen anyway, without even Russell having any say so around it. So mm-hmm. it's everything right now is, is happening the way that, it, and he's, he's going to come out clean. He'll come out clean. Dee, before we move away, I'm sh- I just want to, Katie, you said silence speaks volumes. Yes. Going back to Dee's original point about Dak Prescott. Can you, uh, can you maybe uh, provide some more texture to that? It, for whatever reason, this saying that's out there, um, all press is good press, that's not the case. I think people are very delusional about that saying. Ooh, go, and Katie, go on this. Very, very delusional about that because this man keeping quiet behind the scenes and letting things play out the way that it naturally should without it being in the public eye, it worked to his advantage. Right. You know, he didn't come off as being egotistical or money hungry. When the deal was done, the deal was done. And no one could say anything about it because it wasn't negotiated in the public eye. It was right. literally, the deal is done. What, what now? I'm paid. I don't have anything else to say about it. And it came up, it, D, DC and I are big PTI watchers, uh, you know, uh, Wilbon and Kornheiser. Tony was a month ago saying, Dak's gone because they released a video to their season ticket holders and he wasn't on it. So... And, and rightfully, a lot of people read those tea leaves, Dak's gone, oh, yeah. and he still didn't say anything. He didn't say a word. But there's this interesting thing. Why, why, people, why do people feel compelled to respond? Right. It's, all, it's always, you know, all, especially people in certain, you know, positions, why do you feel so compelled to respond to something? Silence mm. speaks volumes. That means you do not control my narrative, I do. Mm. That's what silence does. I'm controlling my narrative. I will not allow you to say anything out of context because if it is, it's a lie. And then we can get into that defamation of character conversation from there. But ultimately silence, I'm going to control my narrative. So I'm not saying anything. But Katie, just to to finish on this point, sometimes there's so much chatter and so many people are talking that at some point you do have to respond, right? You don't. Okay. You know, it's like, I'm going to say something, so I'm going to control you. You don't, you can literally stay silent. And we recommend that for people, but as human beings, we feel compelled because mm-hmm. there's so much chatter out there to have something to say, just like, you know, it's, Got it. I, I think silence is one of the best PR tactics that's never used. Wow than anything else. Wow. So your actions are what you're really saying, Katie. You, you should shut up and let your actions speak. Is that really what you're, what you're saying? Let your actions speak because at the end of the day, everyone's always gonna have something to say about something. Mm. Let it play out. I'm gonna awesome. say this, one thing, Larry, before we go to your what's popping. I learned this a long time ago the power of silence as a tool to pull things out. We live in a world where we've got multiple devices and screens all the time. We're tweeting, we're posting, we're talking, we're texting. We're not accustomed to quiet time. Yes. 
folks like to feel the, the quiet space. So sometimes when I'm talking to folks, if I want to find something out, I'll ask a question and go completely silent and sit there until it's uncomfortable. Not for me, but for you. Mm -hmm. And people just don't know how to stick with that silence. So they just start talking and I go, thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, Larry, what you got, bro? Okay. So I've got uh, it's interesting uh, segue to me, D. So I don't know if you all saw this. Um, uh, our friends over at sportico.com had a very interesting story that they just wrote this week by Daniel Libet. I think I have his name, and it's featured prominently on their website now. And it's about uh, Florida A&M University, better known as FAMU, the HBCU in, uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. And we, we, Dee, we got to give a special shout out to Jamie Shirley, who's currently at, uh, at FAMU, and Justin Shirley, a FAMU alum who also happened to be sons of our esteemed producer, Jeff. So we've got a lot of personal ties to FAMU uh, within our show. So this came out, uh, Sportico, it came out last week and Sportico did a, a really cool article about it. So in early March, Nike announced a six-year apparel partnership with FAMU, which will outfit all of their athletic programs. And additionally, they will, uh, they will adorn the Rattlers men's and women's basketball players in unique LeBron James crowned uniform and shoes. So... According to Sportico, through their public records request, this is, the, this is the part that's incredible for me. It's going to commence in July, commits Nike to provide $3.3 million worth of retail product to the university over the deal's duration. And it refers to, in this proposal, quote, that Nike's flagship HBCU is FAMU. Mm. That means your numero uno. Mm -hmm. And to back that up, they, FAMU, as part of this deal, will continue to receive the largest product allocation of any HBCU during the term of the contract. Crazy, right? Not crazy. Mm. I meant crazy good. I think it's really cool. A mm -hmm. um, couple other key points I want to point out. There's also a lot of marketing support. Um, they're also providing uh, money to FAMU's Rattle Athletic Fund. And they're also, this is what's really cool. They're going to support scholarships for students whose academic pursuits are quote aligned with Nike's business objectives and they're going to as part of the deal they're going to enlist top tier Nike assets to promote FAMU and the proposal specifically mentioned LeBron, rapper Travis Scott and tennis player Naomi Osaka. Mm -hmm. By contrast Nike did a recent deal with UCLA where it's the opposite it obligates the Pac-12 schools coaches to be available for two pr personal promotional appearance on behalf of Nike, all right? And then this is the other kicker, and then I want you guys to comment, that Nike will also select as part of this arrangement two of the school students to participate in annual summer internships with the company, and that it will also promote work-study opportunities for FAMU undergrads with MLB, NFL, NBA, WNBA, as well as professional sports fr franchises that are part partnered with Nike. These extracurric extracurricular considerations are not common among equipment or merchandising contracts for most Division I universities, regardless of their size. And the FAMU athletic director, by the way, is named Courtney Gosha, if I have his name 
pronounced correctly. Mm -hmm. So how about that for a deal? What do you all think? Katie? It's, it's a good deal. It's, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a good starting point. I think it's a good starting point um, for Nike. I'm, I interned with Nike um, when I was in college. I actually um, participated in the Nike Peach Jam. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with that, where they have all the young high school team, you know, players. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I got to interact with all the coaches and, you know, that sort of thing and see just these amazing, you know, high school talents. Um, I, I do think Nike sometimes um, are not always thinking about the institution, but sometimes thinking about themselves as kind of an entry point into a certain. Yep group or demographic because right now i've been telling people this hbcus are popping right now they're hot yep everyone wants to give to them everyone wants to understand you know like who who are who are these schools you know who's behind these schools and that's another um interesting thing who's behind hbcus um the founders but i i think it's a good starting point for nike um what i did want to hear more of um lt to be truly honest is um, not just about product and merchandise. I feel like our kids kind of get a little bit um, too involved in product and merchandise, but I get it. I know it's, it's around athletics, so that's a, naturally a part of it. But if you really want to do something that's going to benefit, um, you know, these, you know, black and brown students that are at these, you know, colleges and universities, it's like, it's opportunities. You know, scholarships are great. That's a great starting point. But is there a program in place that's going to be around recruitment? Hey, we want to work within Nike. Is there a some path to working at you know corporate or in some of the other entities around the globe? Because Nike, if we know, is a, a global company. Well, um, Katie, that's what that's what I was struck with. That's what, and maybe I wasn't clear. They're going to have as part of the two FAMU students participate in annual summer internships and promote work study opportunities, which yeah. has never been part of any contract they've ever done with another university. And, um, gotcha. and I, I, I forgot to read this part. The FAMU athletic director, Courtney Gosha said, the agreement quote, allowed us to reimagine, challenge the norms of our industry and be the model for leveling the playing field for HBCUs. And uh, dare I say, this deal does not happen pre-George Floyd. Mm. Mm. So I'm not sticking up for Nike. I just wanted to point that out. That that mm -hmm. was a no. It's it's a great. Um, I I think always when you know companies are reevaluating how they're spending their dollars and they're putting it in the right places. I think it's always good. I just I want to see more of it. I do want to see more of it, and I do want to see more of it going towards things that really matter. Because yep. to me, product is going to break down, yep. trashed and thrown away. But some of the other pieces. Um, I really, it's, it's going to provide longevity. Agreed. Um, I, I totally agree. And uh, I just want to uh, add this one point um, that uh, what, what was really striking to me is that they say in the proposal, Dee, and then I'm going to shut up and you as a, a, as a dual degree HBCU person, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this that they see FAMU as the Nike flagship HBCU, which was, that was pretty mind blowing to me. As an Alabama A&M undergrad and a CAU grad and a staunch supporter of HBCUs everywhere, 
I think this is a good thing. I, like Katie, see it as the beginning of the beginning. Let's talk about context here. When I was a kid, Larry and Katie, oh, I love me some hamburgers now. Oh, I would kill a burger now. I would <laughs> kill it. All right. And then as I uh, started to, uh, to uh, become a bit more sophisticated, I got myself a piece of skirt steak. And I'm like, whoo, this skirt steak is good. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I really did love burgers. And I still do. And I really did love skirt steak. I don't anymore. Why? Because now I've had A5 Wagyu. Okay. That's what I've had. Okay. I like A5 Wagyu steak, medium rare. All right. I now have the context to know that in the world of steak, that Japanese beef, the way they treat that, that, that cow, send them to sleep real easy. They don't, they don't tase them so they tense up. Ooh, this is some good steak. Context for me. So let's go down to the numbers. I see six year apparel partnership, $3.3 million worth of retail, 200,000 each year for marketing support, 200,000 annually uh, for the Rattlers Athletic Fund, and then the two uh, students to which you have already spoken. I would like to see this in context of the deal with the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, right. Right there, right there in Oregon, out not too far from Portland where Nike was founded. This is Phil you Nike. Nike U? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bowerman, Bowerman, Shout, Southfield, Nike, Brown. I want to know how much is their retail deal? Because I don't right. know right now whether this is a burger or whether right. it's A5 Wagyu. It might be A5 right. Wagyu. But if they right. showed me the Oregon Ducks and they like, oh, it's $30 million. Like, now, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Now, I grew up in right. Detroit. I like White Castle's burgers. Okay. But I want some Wagyu. That's my reaction to this. So it's good. I, I want to be clear. Good. Love with uh, with um, uh, LeBron, LBJ, their whole squad, all of that. I think is dope. Context for me. Yep. Well said. Yeah, context. Well said. And I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Man, I think uh, I think we're we we did a good job of uh, having a good conversation on that. Should yeah. we go to uh, Should we go to learnings, D? Let's go to learners and, and, and good call, Larry. And uh, and it's the first time ever, Katie, we've had one of our guests lead off what's popping. So good call, Larry. Well done. Yes, really well done, Katie. Thank you. Do you want me to lead off or shall you? W would you please, my brother? Okay. So, man, Katie, you were, we knew you'd be awesome and you were better than oh, awesome. Yes. We've learned so much from you. I'm going to try and call it down to, a few of the, the most prominent ones. And I'm gonna try and uh, do a few of these to get people to think. So my first one is Katie has aligned her career to really help push forth a lot of what's near and dear to her. Mm -hmm. So brand nerds out there, are you thinking of that with your career choices and career moves? Mm -hmm. Think about that, right? Mm -hmm. My second one is, the great Queen Elizabeth. No, not the one, not the one in the UK. Yeah. The Queen Elizabeth in, a, in Augusta, right? 
right, Katie? Yes. You're, right? Augusta, Georgia, yes. That's right. Big shout to Queen Elizabeth in Augusta, Georgia. So move with no fear, Queen Elizabeth says, mm. right? I love that. And the, the micro application to Katie, which again, I, I would subscribe to anyone who's listening, you need to get away and prove yourself. So that may mean you go away to school in a, in a place that might be unfamiliar. That means that you might move to Boston when you grew up in Georgia to make your bones and see what it's like to be somewhere else and to prove yourself. Love that one. Um, and I got a couple more. So you're not happy in a work situation. It's best to leave and don't burn those bridges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't burn them. And by the way, we all F up, but it's never too late to say you're sorry. Right, Katie? Love that. <laughs> and then the last one I'm going to posit is a question to the brand nerds out there to think about. Are you doing everything you can to protect those you love and you're close to, your family, your friends, and your work colleagues, mm -hmm. unlike what happened to Meghan Markle? So those are mine. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. You're welcome. What a discussion, Katie. What a discussion. I normally have three different areas, but for you, Katie, I only got one. And it's around names. You started off our podcast by talking about the fact that you, as a child, were shy. Katie, Katie Kearns or Katie, uh, what was your maiden name? Nelson. 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 Nelson was shy. And uh, your mother named you Akote. Akate. Oh, Akate. Akate. Okay, man. Oh, okay. Akate. My bad. I'm messing this up. <laughs> Akate. It sounded good when you started, D. I did. I did. Akate. <laughs> Akate. Now she's like, okay, just call me Katie, brother. Just call me. <laughs> Akate. And Akate has developed several things along her journey. When you ran for uh, president in the sixth grade, you positioned yourself as truly outrageous. You had an F up in your career and you apologized. Larry's talked about that. That took courage. And every interaction I've had with you, um, you've lived out loud, mm -hmm. every interaction, you living out loud. And so it got me to thinking, how, was, how were you able to do those things? So I came up with a little formula, shy plus blank equals you. Your name, means grandmother's daughter. That's what you said to us. Yes. And I wanna to go to Tawanda now, who now works with you at Media Frenzy. You said you were to her like a big sister, little sister kind of a thing. And by the way, Tawanda, that name means we are now many. That's what Tawanda mm. means, we are now many. So you are in fact with Tawanda playing out your name like a grandmother is to a daughter. 
you're playing out your name given to you by your mother. So the shy plus blank equals you. What's in the blank? Well, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth is in the blank. <laughs> what does her name mean? My God is abundant. Also in the blank is Kidada. What does her name mean? Queen. Queen. Also in the blank is Nzinga. What does her name mean? Ambition, independence, strength. <laughs> so all of these names of your mother and your sister is part of the formula that allows you to be the grandmother's daughter. Finally, I'm gonna say this. During your What's Poppin', you talked about black women at work. And there are these institutions that do not protect them. In our families, especially black folks, grandma is the protector. Mm -hmm. She's the one that has everybody like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna get all y'all in order and I'm gonna love you too. So what I've learned from this conversation is um, names are not just things that are given for one to have others refer to them as the name. Names can literally be the beacon and guiding light that drives the, the things you literally do throughout your life. And that is what Queen Elizabeth gifted you with in that name. That's what I learned. Amen. Yeah. Katie, D can connect the dots like no one. No <laughs> one can connect dots like that. So Katie, did you learn anything from this wonderful conversation we've had with you? You know, it's it's interesting because I feel like it was like a spiritual like retreat. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just, you know, being able to tell my story and my story to be heard in a very, very thoughtful way. It's it's it means so much to me. It, oh, great. it really does. It really means so much to me. And I and my hope is that someone will be able to listen to this and take something away from it. They will. And, and move no forward in a different way in their life. So that that is that's the hope. But thank you guys so very much for this opportunity because I, I'm telling you, just this conversation itself was a discovery. Mm. Yes. Discovery. Mm. Well, our our best shows are one that are conversations that just happen organically. And and since you're so deep, this was mm. so easy. So uh, we loved having you. And Dee, we got to close the show. Mm. I, if, I if, if we must, if we must. I having to close shows that are so good. Um, all right, so everyone out there, thanks for listening to Brands, Beats and Bites, recorded virtually on Zoom and a production of KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM radio and worldwide at kzsu.org. The executive producers are Jeff Shirley, Daryl DC Cobbin, myself, Larry Taman, Joseph Anderson, Jake Tate, and Tom Dioro. The Podfather. Yes, sir. And if you are listening to us via podcast, it would be great if you can please rate and review us. Additionally, if you do like the show, please subscribe and share. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to next time where we will have more insightful and enlightening talks about marketing with another great business leader as our guest. Mm -hmm.
If you wish to contact us, our email is brandsbeatsbytes at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that is brands, B-R-A-N-D-S, beats, B-E-A-T-S, bytes, B-Y as in yellow, T-E-S at kzsu.stanford.edu. Thank you.